Welcome to Dead Pilot Society, the show that takes comedy pilots from A-list writers that were sold and developed at networks and streamers, but never produced, and gives them the table reads they never got a chance to have. I'm Andrew Reich, the creator and host of Dead Pilot Society. We've got some big news. We are going to be doing our first live show since the pandemic began. That's right, Dead Pilot Society is coming back to a live theater January 12th at the Elysian Theater on Riverside Drive here in Los Angeles, California. We will be bringing you a very special event. We are going to be reading three episodes of a show that was never made. The show is Whelan Motors. It was written by Brooks Whelan. He's a comedian, actor, podcaster, former SNL cast member. He not only sold a pilot to Fox, but they liked it so much they had him write an additional two episodes, none of which they shot, all of which will be read live by an absolutely incredible cast, including Tim Heidecker, Jermaine Fowler, Carrie Kenny Silver, Bobby Moynihan, Alyssa Limparis, Paul Shear, and more. So go to elysiantheater.com for tickets and info, or check the link in the show notes. You do not want to miss the live return of Dead Pilot Society. All right, our pilot this month is... Dear America, We've Seen You Naked, written by Scotty Landis. Scotty's got a really interesting resume. It includes Workaholics, uh, Sasha Baron Cohen series, Who is America? The screenplay for the horror movie Ma with Octavia Spencer. He co-hosts the Bananas podcast. This pilot is a workplace comedy about TSA agents at O'Hare Airport. You know, I think this would pair really well with our episode 25, Airport Marriott by Phil Hay and Matt Manfredi, if you're into pairing your dead pilots. Anyway, as you'll hear in the quick interview before the table read, this has a really fun origin story in that it's based on a non-existent book. Uh, Also, you'll hear that we kind of broke our rules for this one since it never actually sold to a networker streamer. I didn't realize that until I was talking to Scotty, but you know, whatever. I make the rules, I can break them. Uh, But note to all you executives out there, this one never sold. Uh, it's available, free and clear. Our cast, and I really love this cast, uh, Lucas Hazlitt from American Princess and uh, his own episode of Dead Pilot Society. Um, Erica Rankin from House of Lies and Californication. Courtney Peroso from Reno 911. It's a wonderful heist. Jesus Trejo from Sullivan and Son. Matt Oberg from Harley Quinn and Veep. Sabrina Jalice from Search Party. Danny Jollis from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, Anchor Bot, sorry, Encore Bot from Platonic, sorry, Encore, uh, Sean Vance from Green Beret's Guide to Surviving the Apocalypse, Bryce Craver from Limits of Therapy, and Shannon D from Hacks and Good Girls, and I love that for you. Hey, if you want to see all those people reading it and you uh, didn't join during Fun Drive some months ago, become a Bax Fund member. For as little as $5 a month, you'll get access to the video. All of our bonus content from past years. Come on, you should be a MaxFun member. Go to MaximumFun.org slash join. Now enjoy Dear America, We've Seen You Naked after a brief message. I'm Jordan Cruciola, the host of Feeling Seen, where we talk about the movie characters that make us feel seen. And I'm the show's producer, Marissa. Jordan, you've interviewed so many directors, actors, writers, film critics, and I like to play this little game where I take a sip of coffee every time someone says, that's such a great question. 
That's such a fabulous question. Or they tell you how smart you are. I think that you are rather brilliant. And of course, the big one is when, when they, they cry, cry unexpectedly. unexpectedly. Yes, yes. Jordan, I don't want to cry on your podcast. I wasn't expecting to <laughs> cry. I mean, it makes me kind of want to cry. <sighs> Feeling Seen comes out every Thursday on MaximumFun.org. Listen already. What are you waiting for? Jordan, that's such a great question. <laughs> Scotty Landis, welcome to Dead Pilot Society. Thanks for having me. Of course. Tell us uh, a little bit about what we're about to hear. What is this? This is a comedy half-hour pilot called Dear America, We've Seen You Naked. Uh, Paramount Studios hired me to write this because it was going to be based on a book of the same title that never got written. <laughs> okay, that's that's super confusing. Um, yeah. Was there like a book proposal that just never happened? Yes. Yeah, so there was a viral article. It was actually a blog post about a TSA agent who worked in Chicago to put himself through grad school. And he basically upended the entire organization. And so everything in this script is based on this article about different areas that are off limits and the way that people, uh, TSA agents would slack off how you can beat the system. And so it went very viral. And a publishing company reached out to this guy and was like, this is a book. And then Paramount bought the rights to that book and hired me. And then that guy moved to Bogota and never wrote the book. So he kept his advance. Yes, he did. He moved to Bogota with that advance, <laughs> called me once from Colombia. And, uh, and he was like, can I be in the writer's room? I was like, if we get to series, you can be in the writer's room. And then nobody ever heard from him again and so i wrote this and it just faded because there was no book there was nothing to base it on they were hoping this would be a bestseller and then we would launch the pilot after that like it was going to be like the kitchen confidential of tsa yeah shit my dad says it was that era of like let's turn viral books into tv shows wow all right that's crazy and was it set up at a network never was it was going to go to Paramount Plus, but it was still before that was a thing. So it was like, hey, we're going to launch this as a comedy right when we launched the streaming platform. And then I just never heard. Um, and then finally reached out and they were like, we're just going to pay you out. We think this one's dead. I was like, OK. And now you're here. And now I'm here. It's alive. I'm going to take it back out after this. Screw them. Yeah, man. It's uh, well, everyone is about to hear. All right, let's let's do this. This is Dear America, We've Seen You Naked, the pilot called Keep Calm and Carry On, written by Scotty Landis. It's the teaser. We're on an airport x-ray monitor. X-ray images of bags, purses, and carry-on luggage move slowly through across screen. In each piece of luggage, a TSA banned item can be seen. Brass knuckles, a bottle of whiskey, a hatchet, a curled-up boa constrictor. There are 932 million airline passengers in the United States every year. One agency has sworn to protect them. This is our story. And we go to a security checkpoint at Chicago O'Hare Airport, and we meet James, 26, African-American. He greets the long lines of unhappy airplane passengers. He has done this speech 5,000 times. It is my distinct honor to welcome you to Terminal 3. Please remove all items from your pockets and place them in a tray. Laptops need to be removed from your bag and placed in their own tray. If you have any liquids or gels over three ounces, you are not allowed to bring them in your carry-on items. A child pukes at James's feet. It's orange, very orange. 
The child's mom barely reacts as if it was expected. Orange juice upsets his stomach. Oh, really? How can you tell? James puts a safety cone in the middle of the vomit and continues his bin loading commands. At the scanners, Danielle, 25 and no nonsense, watches the x-ray monitors. She stops the belt and studies something on the screen. That thing must be five pounds. Hey, Diaz, bag check this one. Civilization was a mistake. At the security checkpoint, a male passenger holds a bottle of water and his cell phone. Remove all jackets, hats, and everything from your pockets. I, I apologize, sir. You're going to have to finish that water. Throw it out. I bought this at the airport. I understand that. I'm sorry. James gestures to a table with dozens of half-empty water bottles. The passenger is livid. This is total bullshit. He chugs the bottle and hands it to James. James smiles, taking the high road, and throws it away. The male passenger hurries past James and walks through the metal detector. Your phone, sir. The metal detector alarm sounds. The passenger storms back and puts his phone in his bag. James enjoys the tiny victory. He turns and sees TSA agent Diaz, 35, Mexican-American and wiry, pull a live, huge lobster out of the bag Danielle flagged. Passengers scream. Diaz, Diaz panics and drops it. Danielle puts a blue recycling bin over the scurrying lobster. The bin lurches towards the shoeless passengers. They scream again. It is my distinct honor to welcome you to Terminal 3. In Act 1, we are in Terminal 3 of Chicago O'Hare. Various shots, airport life, grumpy passengers, long lines for Starbucks, long lines for the bathroom, longer lines for security. At the scanners, Tina, 30s, a failed comic, hiccups her commands to a passenger. Step into the machine and raise your arms above your head. Please step down, wait here. Anyone ever tell you that you look like Joseph Gordon? Love it. The passenger is confused. James joins Tina. You're good. Next, step in. You working on a new bit, Tina? You think I had fake hiccups for a laugh? Please. Why is your shirt so stiff? Oh, I wanted to teach myself how to dry clean my apartment. James is distracted by Sheila, 28, a flight attendant and a model, passing through security. She sneaks a wink to James. Too much starch, I think. Mm. <laughs> oh, this is hell. Step inside, arms above your head. A senior citizen steps into the scanner. Try gargling ginger beer. You look foolish doing it, but the results... Yeah, thanks, asshole. I did that already. Got wasted as fuck with a NBA ref last night. Step out of the machine, ma'am. Wait here for me. He's a lot older than his profile pic. Like 50. Great dick, though. The senior citizen nods in approval. Have a nice flight, ma'am. Get some water. Staff meeting in three. Three minutes later in the TSA meeting room, a dozen TSA agents sit around a table in a drab meeting room. James and Danielle stand against one wall together. A Keurig hisses and gurgles. Diaz shakes his head and punches it. Fucking coffee thing's broke. I bet hitting it with your fist again will fix it. Rayball, 50s, gray hair, glasses, annoying, can't resist. You know, uh, I spent a summer working the mountainside coffee farms of Monteverde, uh, Costa Rica. We would pick beans until our arms gave out. And at dusk, we'd sit on our baskets near the fire and Josue, he would entertain us with his puppets, his beloved titeres. Um <clears throat> We know, Rayball, you've told us. You know, to this day, um, after a warm rain, I can still 
smell the scent of beans on my fingers. They called me El Extraño. Um, Ray Ball, please never talk again. <clears throat> Door swings open and Janet Pacharelli, 40s intense, storms in. Her white TSA shirt is starched perfectly. Uh, okay, just got my ass chewed out over the phone, so nobody fuck with me today. I knew you were a freak, Patch. Mike, 35, tattoos, strolls in behind her. He places his backpack on the ground and tries to blend in. Shut up, Diaz. This is Mike. He just got done his training in Atlanta, and despite his tattoo addiction, he's not a total pervert. James, he's shadowing you this week. Sounds ideal. End of discussion, period. Punctuated. Take this shit seriously, please. Lives are on the line. Mike and James share a friendly handshake. Welcome aboard. I'm James. Uh, hey, Mike. Mike Mays. Word of the wise. There's a tiresome tradition of hazing the new agents on their first day. Mike smiles, but James isn't joking. Tina gives Mike the finger. Uh, Patch, I emailed you about picking up some extra shifts. Danielle, yes. Let's talk after. I have one announcement. No, I've started the meeting. This isn't the town hall meeting, okay? Totally. My bi-weekly open mic is tonight at Shoeless Joe's. No spoilers, but Michael Buble owes me a huge favor, so he's closing the show after my set. Mm, riveting. Also, no one cares, Tina. I have a health concern. Um, we really need to get those comfort mats back near the scanners. My lower back. Um, Shove your lower back up my ass. Is that even possible? <laughs> That's enough. I have the floor. I have the floor. Jesus fucking Christ. Was that so hard? Okay. So in case you didn't notice, it's like Dunkirk out there. It's like Dunkirk out there? There's a Panera bread like 20 feet from our checkpoint. You eat there a lot. It's called a figure of speech. Okay. Here's the bad news. Three international flights just got rerouted last night thanks to Hurricane Phil. And guess what terminal has to pick up the slack? Yep. I need you all to blast your asses off today so we can keep our heads above water. The great news, the brass approved my request to promote one of you to my second in command to lighten my load. I'm looking for the best and brightest, period. Let the competition begin. Asif, 26, in a Cubs hat and headphones, enters and immediately starts looking for an outlet to charge his phone. That's Asif. He does whatever he wants because he knows Pacharelli can't fire him. He's untouchable. Mike is impressed. Everyone, including Patch, watches Asif circle in his own world. He finds a working outlet and sits. I need extra bodies up front to handle our international friends. I know it sucks, but I need one of you to pull a double in the I.O. room. Ooh, ooh. Me, me, me. Hell yeah. I'll do it. I, I got you, boss. Bet. Damn, Diaz. Relax. Stop ground nosing. Okay? It's yours. Get out there. Be professional. We're the last line of defense against a world full of a-holes. Everyone except Asif, who's texting, shuffles out. Mike grabs his backpack and sees a big bag of cocaine inside. What the fuck? He quickly zips it shut. Asif smiles. Trust me, dude. It gets worse. And we go to the scanners moments later. James puts a fresh pair of blue latex gloves on. Mike joins. You look uh, troubled, Mike. Everything copacetic? Uh, you aren't kidding about the hazing. Uh, so someone put blow in my bag? Don't move. Just look at me and nod like we're having a conversation. Behind Mike, a badass airport cop, Slotik, in his 60s, rides by on a police mountain bike. 
What are we doing? Am I busted? My God, he's so stoic. There, we're clear. That's Sladek. Mike turns and sees Sladek slowly pedal away. The most decorated living police officer in Chicago PD history. And even though he despises the TSA, he makes me feel safe inside. Like the father I never had. Where are you from? Uh, here. Evanston, then Chicago for the past 16 years. Outstanding. And what'd you do with the cocaine? I threw it out in that trash can. Wise move. You probably could have sold it to Tina, but better safe than sorry. Let's show you around. At the security checkpoint, James points out different areas and employees as he and Mike walk around. You know, all this stuff, scanners, bid loaders, ETDs. The gentleman with the unlit cigarette in his mouth is George. George, 30 is an unwashed, runs diagnostics on a scanner. He's the only one who knows how any of this equipment works. He also smells horrid, so you know, keep your interactions brief. A mother smells the air and checks the back of her baby's diaper. George yawns and gives James and Mike a thumbs up. Never forget to wear a clean shirt under your blues. Once your uniform is off, you're free to roam the terminal all break long. James points to TSA agents on break, texting and sleeping. I'm sadly coming up on my third year, and believe me, you're going to want to take every opportunity to get as far away from this area as possible. Diaz walks by, pulling a huge rolling suitcase. Got it. Got it. So this is your uh, this is your full-time gig, huh? At the moment, yes. I mean, I'm supposed to be finishing my master's at UC, but for financial reasons and an inborn fear of manual labor, I joined the mighty TSA. Show me a hero and I'll write you a tragedy. That being said, we, you know, we all have our aspirations outside of national security. I'm a novelist with two roommates who has yet to write a novel. You? Musician, uh, but buried in credit card debt, living the dream. Yeah, I've done just about every other job imaginable to get by and just kind of landed on this one. James puts his hand on Mike's shoulder. Yep, that's how it happens. At the scanners at the same time, Danielle removes clothes from a carry-on. She pulls out a spiked gladiator mask. A pasty passenger watches proudly. I can't let you take this on the plane, sir. It's a weapon. Actually, it's a Gaulish gladiator helmet built for defense, not attacking. Surprised you didn't know that. Yeah, well, that's because I'm not a huge nerd, sir. If you have time, there's a post office on the second floor of Terminal 2. Mail it to yourself or we're going to have to confiscate it. He takes his helmet and exits. Patch barks out orders. No dragon ass! Looking for all-stars. Looking for my lieutenant. She spots a Middle Eastern man yelling at Rayball. Asif, showtime. You're up. Asif dutifully takes off his headphones and joins Rayball. This is not right. This is a racist behavior. Why don't you pull him? Hey, hey, hey. It, it is a random search, sir. It, it's not me. I'm with you, ma'am. Yeah, I have a tagine, and I use it often to make the moistest lamb and apricot. <laughs> Get out of here, Rayball. Okay, we both know an old white guy pulled you out of line. It's bullshit. But listen, my dude, do you really have to rock a full Kurta to the airport? I mean, I respect it, but wearing a pair of Levi's and... I don't know, a Taz shirt for your flight to uh, Buffalo would save you a lot of trouble, you know? Just think about it. Stay chill, let me wand you, and we'll get you on your flight. The Middle Eastern man lifts out his arms to his sides. Asif quickly wands him and signals Janet. We're good. Janet lingers near Danielle, clearly nervous about something. I've never seen the lines this long. Even pre-check is insane. Mm, it is. It is. Uh, love a challenge, though. Uh, speaking of which... Take your break five early and swing by my office. Hmm? I got something urgent I need to discuss. Privately. Uh, 
of course, I'll, I'll be right there. <clears throat> Patch walks away, clapping and shouting at her agents. In the I.O. room, moments later, James types in the security code 696969 into the digital lock. The image operator room, a sacred place for all TSA agents. The passcode is 696969. Tina figured out how to reset it a few months ago, and because she's hilarious... 69! This is what we're stuck with. The sound of the door opening wakes a sleeping TSA agent, Harold, in his 50s, as Kia, in her 40s, paints her toenails. A lit cigarette hangs from her lip. Mike gets his first look at the dozens of monitors with dozens of naked body scans on them. I've heard some wild stories about I.O. Rooms in training? They are true. This is the only area in the entire airport without surveillance. A den of iniquity. Word to the wise. Try to get shifts with people you like. Three hours in here with Rayball and you'll want to kill yourself. Harold, he always slumbers, which is great when I'm trying to write. And Kia, hey Kia, this is Mike. Kia pushes past James and Mike without stopping. Hey, I gotta take a dump. Cover. And very nice to meet you, Kia. She's a charmer. Indeed. Try not to touch anything. Better yet, just keep your gloves on. A lot of weird stuff happens in here. Try and see this space as a as a place to work on personal growth. And, and it's not an unpleasant situation. I've read over 300 books in this room, mostly classics. Damn, our tax dollars at work. I love it. Do you even look at the monitors? Or Absolutely. I mean, keep one eye on the screens and call it like you see it. Knee replacement, breast enlargement, pen in the shirt pocket, marijuana in the rectum. Pills, probably Molly. Won't crash a plane, though. We're good. Clear. That can't be real. Oh, my God. That can't be real. Mike points at a body image with a huge penis on a monitor. Sacagawea! That's quite impressive. Scanner number four. James and Mike lean out of the I.O. room and see Scotty Pippen step out of scanner four. Tina snaps a selfie with him. I mean, that makes sense, really. Diaz pulls the large suitcase behind him. It's heavy. He waves James and Mike out of the way and hurries inside. Move, 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 move. Slating's coming. They step aside. Diaz rolls the big suitcase into the I.O. room. All right, this is when we walk away and pretend we didn't see anything. Shut the door, bro. Harold, Harold, stay asleep, old man. James tells Kia I'm coming. I'm, I'm covering her shift. Is this hazing? Am I now like part of an illegal ivory smuggling ring or something? Diaz watches through the crack door as Sladek pedals by. No, this is real. Diaz considers the airport to be international waters. Whatever takes place in the airport won't get back to his wife. The suitcase sneezes. What is, in, what is in the suitcase? We hear a female voice from the suitcase. Hurry up, I can't breathe anymore. Books. James leads Mike out of the I.O. room and shuts the door. In Pacciarelli's office, there's a knock on her office door. It's open. Danielle enters and finds Patch standing next to her chair. Hey. 50 bucks says I can jump this chair without using my hands. I believe you, and I don't have 50 bucks, which is why I was asking about picking up more shifts. Playing hardball. I like that. Yes, you can take Sunday mornings. I'm a very direct person, Danielle. No nonsense. I tell it like it is, and if you don't like it, eat shit. You know that, right? Patch oddly takes a knee like an athlete. I do know that. Um, so, uh, what's up? Are you, are you okay? Yeah, always. But I, uh... <clears throat> so you, 
you almost got married like a couple of years ago, right? But you called it off last minute. Yeah. How did you know that? It is scary how much I know about my agents. <laughs> Ripped you off and you dumped his sorry ass. Boom. <laughs> yeah. He took out a student loan under my name to pay off an online blackjack debt. He moved to South Carolina. I've never seen him since. I, I wish him well uh, and I hope he dies. Well, you will uh, cut to the chase and tell you I need to end a relationship. It's interfering with my leadership. So how do I do it the correct way? I mean, well, there's no correct way, but I, I do think that walking right up to him, or it, it is a him, right? <laughs> You're joking? Of course. I am no Les. Are people saying that? No, you know, you know, it doesn't matter. Just walk right up to him, say something like, you're a nice guy, but I think you aren't right for each other, and I need to do my own thing for a while. Patch stands up, nodding, working it out in her mind. Sage advice, I appreciate it. If you tell anyone, I will take back those extra shifts. Thank you for your trust, Janet. Good luck with the breakup. Danielle turns and walks out. Some of us don't need luck. Patch attempts to jump her chair and doesn't even come close. In the break room moments later, James leads Mike into a shabby break room with lockers on one wall and an empty vending machine on another. Last stop on our tour is the beloved break room. Glorious. It's empty and it smells like shin guards? Indeed. No one really uses it for anything but storing their stuff. I usually walk down to Public and Tavern near Gate 4 and use their Wi-Fi during my breaks. Third locker is in, in, is in is you. I think I have a spare lock in mind you can have. Mike pops his new locker open. Thanks, James. And, and thanks for all the help so far. I really didn't know what kind of people I'd be working with. So it's a relief. That... He looks in his locker. A dirty bomb ticks at eye level. And that's the end of Act One. Hal Loveland here with breaking news on a revolutionary form of entertainment. Professional wrestling. For more, we go to our correspondent, Danielle Radford. Professional wrestling is the craze that's sweeping the nation, featuring fisticuffs and colorful costumes. But who can help us make sense of this world of body slams? Lindsay Kelk has the answer. Sources tell us of an amazing podcast called Tights and Fights, filled with discussions of the absurdity of professional wrestling, plus all the sincerity and hilarity that you could shake a stick at. Listen to the Tights and Fights podcast every week. Find it on Maximum Fun or wherever you get your podcasts. And your old-timey radio. Act two, we're still in the break room. Mike's eyes are wide. He steps back with his hands up. Help yourself to any of this muesli. I make it at home. James. James, run. My secret, rye flakes. He takes another step and knocks a recycling bin over. Mike. Don't move a muscle. My legs will not stop walking backwards. I cannot stop. He steps on cans and bottles with each step, mostly Fresca. And who drinks this much Fresca? James walks to the bomb cautiously. He inspects its colorful wires. Mike stops walking and watches, wincing. Shh. Easy, Mike. Easy. What are you doing? Do not. Don't touch it. Red is dead. Blue dead too. Yellow dead fellow. Green. James unplugs the green wire and the ticking stops. He pats the bomb casually and tosses it to Mike, who drops it. Mike, meet hot Carl. They've passed this decoy down from new agent to new agent for years. What? That is so fucked up. It's not even funny. They did this to you. I didn't sleep for a week. 
Truthfully, they usually wait to the end of the day for that one. Someone must really want to drag you over the coals. James pauses and listens to the faint sound of brakes squealing. Sladek, hide hot Carl. Mike grabs the bomb and puts it in the recycling bin. He tosses as many cans and bottles on it as possible as Sladek charges in and instantly clocks Mike's stressed face. Secure? Secure, yeah, yeah. We're on break, Sladek. Confirmed. You must be new. Got you shadowing this pencil neck? Uh, yes. Uh, first day. I'm, I'm Mike Mays. Hurt Sladek. Sladek crosses for coffee. Mike continues covering the bomb with the spilled recycling. He relaxes slightly. Kurt Sladek, welcome to the war on terror. Jim's a good kid. All brains, no balls, but you gotta be goddamn shitting me. No coffee? What the hell do you got to drink in this rat's nest? There's a smoothie in the fridge. I must warn you, it does contain soy. No thanks. I don't drink anything that rhymes with boy. I'll hit Metropolis for a cold brew. Sladek crosses the leave and stops in his tracks. His hand slides to his far to his firearm. He listens. You hear that? No, nothing. Mike and James share a scared glance. Sladek's walkie splits the silence. We have a 1010 at gate 41. Responding on my way. He exits as powerfully as he entered. Mike sits exhausted. At the security checkpoint, the line of frustrated passengers barely moves. A Hispanic man, 45 and calm, gets in line and looks around. Asif talks to another angry Arab passenger and wants him. Tina jokes about a female passenger's large feet. Which way to the Shire, Frodo? <laughs> I'm kidding. That was a joke. Rayball pats down several female college basketball players who are clearly not a threat. Played a bit of round ball myself when I was a college co-ed. Coach Rosell make us run wind sprint until our legs were rubber and our lungs burned like the tumbling coals of Pompeii. <laughs> Danielle knows what he's doing and she has seen enough. Stop it. We're slammed and you're being a creep. Let them through. Oh, all clear, Warden. Jeez. Have a safe flight, girls. Three, two, one. Hell, ah! <laughs> he does a mock jump shot and grabs his back in pain. Danielle waves a nervous flyer into a scanner that George is working on. The machine scans the flyer. Danielle waves her out and waits to see if she's cleared. Wait here, ma'am. Thank you. These are safe, right? <laughs> I wouldn't go in if you paid me cash money right in my palm. Really? They can't be that bad. It, it's a very minimal amount of radiation. Unless you're flying every day, you have nothing to worry about. Sure, sure. Minimal. Just saying enough ants can kill and eat an elephant. Think about it. The nervous flyer looks to Danielle, who forces a smile. Later at Terminal 3, Patch wears an American flag windbreaker over her whites. She searches the crowd. She shakes her hands out nervously and speaks song lyrics to herself. Cut my life into pieces. This is my last resort. Suffocation. No breathing. Don't give a... Gary! She spots a skinny security guard, Gary, 35. He's ahead on a Segway. She takes one confident step towards him. Nope. Hides in a nearby breastfeeding pod. At the security checkpoint, Mike works at the bin loaders. James checks IDs. Next passenger, please. Laptops must go in their own bin. Any liquids and gels over three ounces are not permitted. Uh, make sure everything is out of your pockets. Mike takes a sip from a water bottle and starts over. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Please remove your shoes and any metal objects. Danielle joins and pulls a piece of gum off the back of his shirt. 
She's neither friendly nor mean, just helpful. Someone stuck gum on your shirt. Thanks. Busting on the new guy, I guess. What flavor? Looks like blueberry, probably Kia. Let's pick up the pace a little bit. We're about to get hit by the business traveler rush, so kick it into gear. Yeah, sorry, I, I can go faster. I, did, I didn't want to screw anything up. Is that bottle yours? Yeah, we're allowed to have water, right? Did a passenger give you that? No, Tina tossed it to me. Danielle's face drops. Something is very wrong. Why don't you uh why don't you switch with Anderson uh, on the monitors and take a seat? Uh James said I'd be on bin loaders for the first few weeks. Danielle inspects the bottle of water. Mike watches. Danielle, do you always monitor she, did she just dose me? It tasted fine. I opened it myself. I, 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 I'm, I'm sure it's nothing. I'll take over here and let James know that I moved you. If you need a break for any reason, please let me know. Mike glances over to Tina, who shrugs and hiccups. A strange feeling washes over Mike, and he blinks hard. We match cut to the I.O. room at the same time, where Harold's sleeping eyes open. He glances to the opposite side of the room, where Diaz is having wild sex with Jasmine, who's in her 20s and wearing a food court uniform. They're in front of the monitors. Harold slips out his phone and secretly films as he pretends to sleep. Later in the terminal, Patch follows Gary on his Segway as he weaves through the crowd. She almost reaches him a couple times, but he accelerates, which causes her to half jog to keep up. Gary. He doesn't hear her and turns. She cuts quickly through the crowd to cross paths, but he unwittingly turns again. Gary, we, uh... She runs after him until she's right behind his Segway. Gary! He turns on a dime and sees her. He's sweet and friendly. Hey, Janet. How's it hanging? At the security checkpoint, a Hispanic man adjusts the satchel on his shoulder. Next passenger, please. The Hispanic man hands James his ID and ticket. Back in the terminal, Gary, still wearing his helmet, has no idea what's happening. So, I've been thinking. Awesome. That's fun. Yeah, you're a really great guy with many desirable attributes. Wow. Thank you for saying that. I'm not good at this kind of thing, Gary. Interpersonal relationships have never come easy to me. I'm a bit of a loner, Gary. A lone shark. Not a... Not... Sh lone shark? I uh, keep people at a distance is what I'm saying. Mm, that's going to be tough. Here's the thing. I care about my job and my country, period. There's not a lot of room in it for someone else. And uh, you're a great guy. I just think we shouldn't. Are you breaking up with me? Yes. I'm sorry. We aren't dating. We aren't? We had lunch together once. You burned your tongue trying to prove you could eat a gyro in two bites. Right. Yeah, I still still owe you that twenty dollars. No, don't sweat it at all. We're barely even buddies, Janet. Patch I'd nods, not knowing how to behave, and works it out. I'd be happy to grab a beer with you after work if it doesn't have to be a competition. But yeah, we're just co-workers. I love that jacket though. Very festive. I got it at champs. She swallows her pride and walks away quickly. At the security. Security checkpoint that evening, Mike is trying to keep up while holding back a massive panic attack. His heartbeat thump, thump, thumps in his ears. He shakes it off and watches the colored x-ray images on screen. 
The Hispanic man places his shoulder bag in a bin and takes off his shoes. Mike's heartbeat grows louder. He fans himself. You okay, Mike? You look dumb. Mike nods quickly. He becomes distracted by an Asian woman yelling at Asif, who cannot calm her. Tina's hiccups sound like cracks of thunder. Rayball swabs a hot woman's hands. He hugs her and rubs his lower back as she walks away. He shuffles over to Mike. Hey, Mikey, you wouldn't happen to have aspirin or Bengay? You ever use Tiger Bomb? If you do, make sure you wash your hands before you use the bathroom with that stuff. I thought I was going to have to cut it off. My penis. Not that my wife would even notice. Mike shakes his head no and turns back to the monitors. The colored images slide by in a blur. Mike looks up and sees Sladek laugh with a few other police officers. His heartbeat is now all he can hear. Step in, sir. Hands over your head. The Hispanic man steps into the scanner and looks straight ahead. Pacharelli walks by, unzipping her jacket. <sighs> Danny, I creamed his loser ass. <laughs> he didn't even know what hit him. Uh, then the idiot asked me out uh, again on a date. <laughs> Seriously? What did you say? Nothing. I wanted him to sweat it out a little bit. Teamwork, guys! Looking for all-stars! Open a, another one up, Danielle. Seeing Patch, Mike's panic attack reaches its peak. Lane shift? Open up two, please. An extra line of pissed-off passengers uh, enters Mike's lane. He stands to see what's happening. On his monitor, the Hispanic man's bag passes, and the blue image of a gun can be seen. Mike, watch the monitors. An angry passenger complains. What the hell is taking so long? Mike sits right there as the blue gun moves off screen. He looks at the controls, trying to reverse the belt, but his hands fumble. Not knowing what to do, he stops the conveyor belt. Wait. Uh, wait, wait, wait up. Bag, bag check. The Hispanic man picks up his bag and heads into the terminal. Which one? This one? Uh, I'm, I'm not sure. Let, let, let me back it up. Mike looks at the monitors, then back to the carry-ons. He sees the Hispanic man walking away with the bag. Come on, Mike. They're all waiting. Step right over here, sir. Mike doesn't know what to do. James joins and calms him. Okay, whoa, whoa. what's going on, guys? Kia, take over for him, please. I think I missed it. You missed what? A bag? A gun. And that's the end of Act 2. Act three, it's moments later at the security checkpoint. James is visibly shaken, but he tries to calm Mike. Okay, we get guns all the time. We'll, we'll go through these bags together and suss it out. No, it's gone. I, I think the passenger took the bag already. What? You're kidding me, right? No, because I'm fucking freaking out right now. It was a handgun. Uh, it was Not big. Danielle overhears and joins quickly. Someone got a gun through? You gotta be kidding me. Shut it down. Wait, what did he look like? I, I didn't see his face. I think he, he had black hair and a purple shirt. His his bag was leather, which with like a, a you know red varsity stripe. Oh, okay. We we can disentangle this catastrophe. You're you're not going to prison today, all right? I, I, can, I can go to jail for this? If he shoots up the airport or crashes a plane, it's on you. Yeah, I I, I can find him. Uh you, I think I know exactly what he might look like. Give us two minutes to find him. James, no fucking way. This is serious. Follow protocol. Tell Sladek. Shut the terminal down. I'll steal his bag. He won't even know I was there. 
or he shoots you in the face. Danielle, two minutes, please. Fine, I'll write your maid of honor speech for that cousin you hate. One minute, and then I'm sounding code red. Lose your blues, go. Go! James and Mike unbutton their TSA shirts and run. Sladek notices. Seconds later, in the terminal, James and Mike scan the gates. The Hispanic man is not there. I don't think I see him. Purple shirt, black hair, leather satchel. We're going to have to surround him. You sprint ahead. Start at the last gate and work your way back to me. We'll trap him between us. Mike, we need this. Mike nods and runs full speed through the terminal. He scans the crowd for the shirt, the hair, the bag. Nothing. Yet. Gates whiz by. Airport employees and passengers are a colorful blur. Mike spots purple and he slows. But it's a service mastiff in a purple sweater drinking from a water fountain. The dog's annoying owner takes a selfie with her pet. Oh, come on. How is that a service animal? Mike is winded. He looks to his left and sees Diaz unzipping the large suitcase. Jasmine climbs out and hurries back to work. Mike looks right and sees a parked six-seat golf cart. An elderly couple sits on the back bench seat facing backwards. We cut to moments later as Mike weaves and steers the beeping golf cart through the crowded terminal. The elderly couple on the back seem perfectly content. Mike stands while driving and spots the Hispanic man a few gates away. He is boarding a flight. Hold that flight! Mike hops off the cart and runs to the gate. He's a mess. Excuse me. Excuse me. My, my wife's in labor. An airline gate agent sees him running towards the gate. He stops behind the Hispanic man and attempts to unhook the strap from the satchel without him noticing. His hands are too shaky. He can't get it unhooked. The gate agent sees. Excuse me, sir. TSA, you know, I'm going to need this bag. The Hispanic man protests. Get away from me. Let go, bro. Sir, give me the bag. I cannot allow you onto this flight. Mike puts his arms behind his back and blocks the Hispanic man with his chest. Call security. The Hispanic man tries to pass Mike, but he lunges side to side and chests him. Other passengers are scared and confused. I am security. Give me the bag, sir. I will not ask you again. Mike glances at the boarding sign. Charlotte. Also, more importantly, time is up. He switches tactics. My mistake. It's all cool, my guy. <laughs> Thought you were my stepdad. He suddenly grabs the bag and rips it off the man's shoulder. He runs back through the terminal. The Hispanic man gives chase. Mike opens the satchel and sees a handgun inside. Thank fucking God. Mike is sucking wind, just spent. Up ahead, he spots James and Danielle, Sladek, and finally Pacharelli, looking heated. I got it. I got it. Arrest that dude, Sladek. Him, because I got the gun. Nearby passengers over here and step back. It's fine. It's fine. He's speaking metaphorically, of course. But Mike holds up the actual gun and everyone screams. Yeah, shit. Sorry. My bad. Gun goes away. He puts it back in the bag and hands it to Pacharelli. Sladek springs into action and with tactical precision, handcuffs the Hispanic man. Can I really? Oh, God, I'm winded. I, I really don't think he chased me. I'm not fired, right? Because no jail. Stand up straight, agent. Now. Mike stands with his hands on his hips, sucking wind. I might look calm. You don't. But I am not calm. We're the good guys. We protect Americans by preventing this kind of bullshit from happening. I know. And I'm sorry. It was a mistake. But I got the damn thing. You came this close. This close. And James... Mike knows he screwed up. Danielle won't even look at him. Sladek and the Hispanic man join the circle. This was your worst one yet. 
If he'd crapped his pants, I would have given you the promotion now. I've always wanted to hear you say that. Uh, Mike is beyond confused. Sladek uncuffs the Hispanic man. Sorry, I played it too real, amigo. I was a little scared for a second. Next time I'll use the taser. Please don't. What is happening? Sladek pats James on the shoulder and pedals away. Mike, this is Ron Razzle. He's one of our behavior detection officers. I'm sorry, James made me do it. Ron's the best in the biz when it comes to blending in. Plain clothes, we're everywhere. Ron does a hand signal above his head and several plainclothes BD officers mimic it all around them and then blend back in. It was you. You orchestrated this whole nightmare. Hot Carl? Indeed. Danielle pitched in as well. Dosing you was her idea. It was just children's Benadryl. You'll sleep like a baby tonight. It's a stressful job and we wanted to make sure you can handle it. And truthfully, besides letting a firearm into the airport, you did incredibly well. I honor that but we should get back to work. Mike takes it all in. James and Danielle walk back to the security checkpoint. We can tell they are close friends. I hate you both so much right now. Want to grab drinks with us after work? Yeah, sure. Why not? That's the spirit. And that's the end of Act 3. We're in the tag. We're at Shoeless Joe's Bar. It's the closest bar to the airport. Tina's comedy bombs on stage. James and Danielle sit at a table and cringe through it. I'm going to leave you with this one, I guess. Isn't it weird that people love dogs and people love chocolate? Mike joins with beers and shots and sits. Thanks. What do we owe you? Oh, nada. I, I worked here a few years ago. Drinks around the house. Patch is up at the bar. Danielle sees Patch and Gary sitting at the end of the bar. Oh, she looks so happy. Patch notices Danielle watching, and she flips Gary off behind his head. Danielle raises her shot and slams it. Cheers to that, handsome. Mike and James are both caught off guard by her flirtation. She does James's shot, too, and signals the bartender for another round. <laughs> but if a dog eats chocolate, it dies. <laughs> I'm like, hello, God, are you really Satan? <laughs> whatever, whatever, there's something there. You guys suck. Who's ready for our special guest? The empty bar barely claps, but Gary claps enthusiastically. Tina realizes something. My hiccups are gone. <laughs> They're gone. And to that, James stands and cheers loudly, clapping and whistling. Life is an adventure or nothing at all. Bravo, Tina. Mike and Danielle also stand and applaud. It's sweet. Well, on that note, please welcome to the stage, Michael Buble. And Michael Buble walks onto stage and hugs Tina. James, Mike, and Danielle slowly sit down and can't believe what they're seeing as Buble starts doing crowd work. And we fade out. End of episode. I hope you enjoyed that. Come back next week to hear my interview with Scotty, someone I didn't know before, but who I'm glad I know now because he's, uh, he's a creative force. That's Scotty. Dead Pilot Society is produced by me and my co-host Ben Blacker and our associate producer Noah Finling. It is edited and mixed by Jordan Katz. If you like the show, please, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Tell a friend and uh, follow us on social media. Uh, I think we're still on Twitter at Dead Pilots Pod. We're on Instagram at Dead Pilots Society. Until next time, I'm Andrew Reich. Thank you for listening. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.